welcome to Escape Routes with Condé Nast Traveler. My name is Divya Sani, Global Editorial Director of Condé Nast Traveler, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey. And at Condé Nast Traveler, we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. We've come together to take you to some of our favorite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who pen them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners, or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. This podcast is sponsored by Mastercard, which is committed to restoring 100 million trees by 2025 with the Priceless Planet Coalition and its 18 restoration projects across the globe. Mastercard is also dedicated to helping its cardholders explore the world with complete confidence, backed by the Mastercard hotel stay and lowest hotel rate guarantees travel.mastercard.com. Hello, my name is Lizzie Pook. Welcome to Condé Nast Traveller's Escape Routes. I will be reading my piece on Australia's Daintree Rainforest, which featured in the October 2022 issue of Condé Nast Traveller. I hope you enjoy it. If a bird stops what he's doing and looks at us like this, Watches us, it might be an ancestor, whispers Tom Creek. A willy wagtail is perched on the branch of an old red cedar. A calm magnetic man with a shock of white hair tucked under a baseball cap, Tom is my guide through North Queensland Daintree rainforest. He cups a grey knuckled hand to his ear. The bird responds by opening its beak and releasing the liquid trill of a morning song. Ah, nice tune. Tom smiles. A reincarnation of someone. Come here to protect us, he says, and murmurs to the wagtail in the soft inflections of Kuku Yalanji, the indigenous community he has descended from, which has continuously inhabited this rainforest for 50,000 years. He moves through the Daintree's elephant ear-sized palms with reverence, wonder, and a little fear, pausing often to raise a single finger to the air, taking guidance himself from the sound of birdsong and the scratches, scrabbles, and muffled calls emanating from the undergrowth. Dating back at least 100 million years to the ancient forests of Gondwana, the Wet Tropics World Heritage Area in North Queensland, where the Daintree is located, is thought to be twice as old as the Amazon. It provides a habitat for more than 3,300 plant species, 40% of Australia's bird species and 60% of its butterflies. It is also home to one of the world's oldest living and evolving cultures. Before European settlement, the wet tropics rainforests were among the most populated areas of Australia. Now, after years of tireless campaigning, the Daintree has been handed back to its traditional custodians, the Eastern Kukuyalanji people who will manage the National Park alongside the Queensland State Government. The historic deal, which recognises the Eastern Kukuyalanji people's right to own and manage their land, as well as their right to protect their culture and share it with visitors, signals a watershed moment for Indigenous-led tourism in Australia, even if the process of identifying the full cohort of Eastern Kukuyalanji family members is a long one that includes DNA testing. Between 2013 and 2019, interest in this type of travel from domestic and international visitors rose 40% in Australia. This momentum in part helped many regain custody of their ancestral lands. 
The rainforest joined landmarks like Uluru Katajuta National Park, formerly Ayers Rock, and Kakadu, a national park in Australia's Northern Territory, as some of the only places in the world where indigenous people oversee UNESCO World Heritage Sites. The move also saw the Ngalba Bulal, Kalkajaka, and Hope Islands National Parks handed back to the Eastern Kukuyulanji people. The demand for authentic and meaningful indigenous cultural experiences is growing, says Chrissy Grant, an Eastern Kukuyulanji woman and the first indigenous chair of the Wet Tropics Management Authority Board. This type of tourism can help foster reconciliation, bridge cultural divides and create better futures by sharing culture, knowledge and country, she adds, using the term many Indigenous people use for land they're connected to. Australia has made significant gains, but Indigenous people across the world are campaigning for custody of land formerly occupied by their ancestors, including through the Land Back movement in the United States and Canada. In the forest, Tom is alert to every tick, creak and snap from the canopy. As we brush past trees with gnarled knuckles, gazing up at towering beer moths studded with ancient carbuncles and gargoyle growths, he points out plants and explains their traditional uses, from leaves used to inflict pain during coming-of-age ceremonies, to bulbs that provide food and stems that have natural antibacterial properties when squashed to a pulp. I find myself pausing often, thinking I hear an old radio playing, only to realise it's the birds that sound like rock raspy violins and battered accordions. For us, the rainforest is not a place you want to spend a lot of time in, Tom says as he hurries me along, explaining the area would traditionally have been used only as a place for hunting, foraging and occasionally performing ceremonies. It's eerie in the forest, he says, wriggling his fingers and raising his shoulders. Things might happen. You could be ambushed. There's flesh-eating spirits in here. He admits that Kukuyulanji discussed running indigenous-led night tours in the Daintree, but none of the guides were willing to set foot in there after dark. The handback means a lot to Tom, as does the establishment of the Mossman Gorge Centre, where he works as a team leader and guide. It's the brainchild of Kukuyulanji elder and former sugarcane cutter Roy Gibson, who successfully campaigned to buy a portion of the farm he worked on from its owner. A collaboration between Gibson, the Mossman Gorge indigenous community and the Indigenous Land and Sea Corporation led to the opening of the pioneering ecotourism hub, whose workforce is 73% indigenous. Before we had the centre, people were driving up here, bumping into trees, bumping into each other, getting emergency services out here, says Tom. Motorbikes would churn up the path, people would have parties. The stench of dead fish on the beaches was so strong you couldn't avoid it. As well as being respectful, walking this land with a traditional custodian as your guide opens your eyes to things you never would have seen otherwise. Look here, Tom instructs at one point, drawing a line in the dirt with his stick. Stand here and look in that cave. I do as I'm told. Little hairy man, he says, eyes wide. Spooky. You see him? I squint into the darkness. There is indeed a rock formation that looks like a small man sheltering inside. That's a warning, he whispers. Don't spend too long in the forest. There are electrifying stories about the rivers and seas of the Daintree area too. The Walker brothers, Brandon and Link, of Kukuyalanji and Torres Strait Heritage, are well poised to tell them. Their family has lived off the water for thousands of years, fishing for beche de mer, diving for pearls, foraging the mudflats and mangroves for rays, crabs and shellfish. Nowadays, they freedive for giant clams the size of coffee tables and spear black-tip reef sharks. Brandon used to catch crocodiles for the Queensland National Parks. Both men were taught how to spearfish by their father, uncles and grandfathers, who'd take them into the Daintree and order them to head toward the nearest crocodile. We'd row to it, push it off the bank, then spear the fish in the water, says Brandon. Crocs always hang around the best fishing spots. From Kuya Beach, carpeted in black leaf litter after recent floods, Link points out the mouth of the Mossman River, gushing from the rainforest. 
There's food all around us here. Deep sea fish, mangrove fish, sea turtles, dugong. I look out across the beach toward an old boat stranded on the sand. An osprey lifts from its skeletal hull to glide low across the water. See, this is lazy country, Link says laughing. No hard work needed for us mob. To spend a morning with the brothers is to plunge fully into the vibrant cornucopia of the Daintree. Around us, silvery fish flip in the shallow tide pools, starfish writhe across exposed mudflats, and travelling cowrie shells leave star trail tracks in the sand. Brandon kneels, scoops one up and holds it tight between his fingers. Tastes like calamari, he says, grinning. Even the most innocuous things here can prove to be a source of food or medicine. A weed is not a weed. It's a beech lettuce, the seeds of which can be crushed and used to treat eye infections. A depression in the sand is evidence that a stingray was recently resting here. A ray's good eating, says Brandon, as we plough knee-deep through the water. We'll mush up the meat, fry it with onion. Quack! He lifts his spear out of the water and a huge crab, pierced through the belly, wriggles frantically at its end. On a sunset trip down the Daintree River, I see buttercup wattled plovers picking their way along the banks and kingfishers the colour of molten amber dive-bombing neatly for their supper. As darkness falls and the rain arrives, puffs of snowy white egrets billow into the air. Hundreds of them fill the lavender skies, making their way to their roost sites for the night where they'll cling to the trees like Christmas baubles. As the sun drops farther, casting oil-slick shadows across the water, I discern the shape of something reptilian gliding slowly by, propelled by an enormous armoured tail. Two eyes emerge, then vanish, like falling crescent moons, but the crocodile hangs there, still beneath the surface. He has been here longer than any of us, longer than the trees even. This is his land too. The Daintree is a land of implausibility, Mother Nature at her most outlandish. Witnessing the respect that the Kukuyalanji have for this country is beyond humbling. Spending time with these traditional custodians is a reminder of just how much landscapes can command awe and demand reverence. A reminder that we are only ever passing through these places. That our time here is limited. These trees, these rivers and these seas will outlive us all. We hope you enjoyed our Escapes Truth podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us on the charts and ensure that you're the first to hear about our new episodes.